returning for one more bite. Some extra content for your delight. It's a King of the Monsters bonus episode. to monsters versus men alex yeah we're here we're still trying our best to stay alive mm. despite our kids keeping us up oh it's, my goodness. it's a tough it's getting tougher i will say uh, each and every week yeah this quarantine it's getting a little tougher yeah well we might have to cancel the show because our children are just too rambunctious yeah <laughs> 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 uh, it's it's getting ridiculous at this point, but that's what you get when you have toddlers running around. Yeah. For those that don't know us, I am Eric, and I'm sometimes Alex. known oh. as the resident <laughs> film snob. <laughs> you know, I never know how long you're going to get describe yourself. I'm always like ready to go because in my other podcast, like we just kind of go one after the other. Oh, I like to talk about myself. Yeah, so. I forget you like those personal <laughs> flourishes where you just brag about yourself. And then you introduce me and it's just like, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, but before we get into this bonus episode, Alex, um, I we did get some listener feedback from our Godzilla 2014 episode. Um, several people on Twitter responded pretty favorably to our episode, but... Uh, our friend Jay, our mutual friend Jay, actually emailed me uh, a pretty cool response, I thought, to our episode that kind of challenges some of our thoughts, especially my thoughts, about Ford as a character. Huh. And so I want to read part of Jay's email here, um, just because I think it, it's an interesting perspective. All right. Yeah, I saw he was like, hey, I want to tell you something on Twitter. And then he was like, uh, you know what, I'll just email it to you. Exactly. <laughs> So here's what he says. He says, after rewatching the film, I agree with both of your views regarding the film's neglect with Ford's character after giving us such a great setup with his parents. That said, I believe the role of Ford's character is still important as a symbolic figure. First, there's the recurring theme of saving the children. Ford is, in quotes, the child that survived the horror of losing his mom. He was saved indirectly by his father's decision to close the door. Later on, now as a parent himself, we see him saving the child separated from his parents on the tram. In San Francisco, Elle saves their son from danger by putting him on the bus. Before the tidal wave, we see another father save his daughter at the beach. The significance of saving children throughout the film makes Ford's decision to kill the unborn offspring of the Mudos even more poignant. Hmm. I like that. Interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah, I like that. He goes on to describe how, you know, Ford is the personification of Godzilla's survival instinct and heroic ambiguity. And I, I like that point. And I, I understand other people on Twitter as well were saying, you know, Ford reminds them of a friend that they might have, a stoic friend. Lots of lots of military guys might come off as as more stoic like that. Uh, but they said it was realistic. You know, we know people that are more like that. And if I'm being honest with myself, that's more of the type of guy that I am as well. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you say, Alex? <laughs> okay, Eric. Wouldn't you say? What? Said, like, I'm, I was, I, what I'm saying is, it was a put down. Because, like, what I was saying was mm. last week, 
we didn't see much of that character development. Right. But then again, like if you watched me and my life, <laughs> you wouldn't see much character development. It would be pretty boring. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're not wrong, but like <laughs> the, there's like a big difference between you and Ford. And this is something that Eric used to do. Dear listener, you would go somewhere with Eric and he would wander off and you just, you, he wouldn't tell you if he's going anywhere. He would just disappear. Much like Brian Cranston's character did in the previous movie. <laughs> oh, man. I don't mean in that sort of way. I know. I, I know. I, I'm not any. I'm not any sort of hero, Alex. That's not what I'm trying to say. Okay. Okay, I'm just, Eric. I'm just. Oh my gosh, we have really set me up to be a complete a hole at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. Really, Alex. Yeah, you know, I was surprised at a lot of people's reactions to my comments about Ford. Uh, on Twitter, because a lot of people seem to like uh, acknowledge the train scene where he takes care of the kid, and I'm I'm glad to see other people kind of picked up on that too. Uh, that scene is is a little over the top, but yeah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I understand why people like it. Mm. Okay, it's just okay, Eric. It's just on it's just on the nose. Okay, you just keep taking care. Man. of You just keep ta- hyping yourself up, and then put everyone else down. That's a good way to that's a good way to podcast, Eric. <laughs> All right, yeah, it's well, all right. I'm the man of the maybe people. We should maybe we should listen to another person's voice, Alex, but not about that movie. No, <laughs> about King of the Monsters. This is our King of the Monsters release week, and this is a bonus King of the Monsters episode. So, without further ado, without further ado, further our do, <laughs> you just have to make everything about you, huh? Without further ado, <laughs> let's welcome in Faye, our guest. At this point, we are pleased to welcome in Faye to discuss her experience with King of the Monsters, as well as touch on a few other topics that we'd like to discuss. But before we get into it, I just want to say I'm personally pleased to have you on the show, Faye. Um, Faye's the one, Alex, that introduced me to the Fate Zero anime, which I thoroughly enjoyed, by the way. Uh, and I really think that helped me know what to expect from Jen uh, Urobuchi, if I pronounce that right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to be uh, the nerd here and say Gen Urobuchi. Thank you. There we go. Gen Urobuchi. Thank you. <laughs> Writing in the Godzilla anime trilogy. Um, Faye is also a writer and on the editorial board of Something Ghoulish, a website diving into the horror, kaiju, and science fiction genres. So welcome, Faye. Is there anything I left out that you would like to say to our listeners before we get right into it? No, I think it's something pretty nasty for the most part. Hello, everyone. As informed by Eric, my name's Faye, and I am a writer for Something Ghoulish, and I'm also a massive Godzilla fan since I was a kid. I'm actually really happy to be here today because Kingdom Monsters is one of my all-time favorite Godzilla movies, and it's something as one that's actually meant a lot to me. So I'm really happy to be here. Ooh, you and me are going to get along really well, Faye. Uh, and also, <laughs> I want to thank you for getting Eric back into anime because he had some experiences that deterred him from anime for a while. There, oh really? It was very, it was a very disturbing moment in my life where he just wouldn't watch any. But now that you've gotten him into Fate Zero, I've really been pushing him into some other series. So, yes, I'm glad he's able to. Glad you're able to open that door for him, but. I have a question for you. You know, Faye, we wanted to talk to you about this article that you wrote called Godzilla, King of the Monsters and How It Saved Me, which I read just a couple hours before we recorded. And one of the things that often gets shrugged aside in King of the Monsters discussions is themes. And in your article, you mentioned the themes of sacrifice and redemption. And 
I want to know why do these stand out to you in the film and why do they mean so much? Well, I think to me, the reason the scenes stand out to me in Kingdom Monsters is because of how much it grounds the film a sense of humanity, which I feel like sometimes Godzilla films that honestly drawn our films as a whole can lack sometimes. I think we all can relate to the idea of wanting redemption for something the same way that like Mark does in the movie where he wants redemption mm-hmm. for what he's done by ignoring Madison or by right. arguing with Emma. And then with Emma herself, she realizes after all she's done, the only way she can be redeemed is in death for doing what she did. And she's doing that by doing a good thing from her sacrifice. And I think that scene of sacrifice is a scene that's honest, omnipresent, almost in every single Godzilla film. Like from the original, which there's all sacrificing himself to stop Godzilla for the greater good, or Matra's recurring sacrifices for her children or her allies, like in GMK, or of course, Matra versus Godzilla. The idea of sacrificing oneself for the greater good is also just a scene you find like in fiction in general. Like in the Epic of Gilgamesh, Enkidu sacrifices himself to stop the bull of heaven, even though he knows that, that he'll die from it. So I think the way it's done in Kingdom Monsters really helps ground it in a personal way that also ties into its ideas of how to save ourselves from the climate change that we're all making. Because Kingdom Monsters posits itself that the only way we can really stop climate change is if we, as a whole, sacrifice some things. Like what proposals have suggested, like less flying, eating less meat, and those kinds of things. But though, personally for me though, I feel that redemption is personal because of how I felt. I think we all can be ashamed of things. That's part of it for me. But also in a bigger sense, this is something I'm sure only those who have been through what I have will feel. But like after I was assaulted when I was in middle school, I blamed myself a lot and it let me bring me to a bark to a dark place for many years. And not, I'm not proud of everything I did during those days. And like I've said things I didn't really mean or wanted to mean. And I think that like the chant, the idea that you can be redeemed for things and you're not defined by your past and you can work to make yourself be better is really powerful and important. And I think that's what King of the Monsters really speaks to me, but it seems a redemption hmm. and what sacrifice. I think it's just like when I've seen all the things people have done for me constantly, like there's been times my friends or my family could just let me go. It's been like, oh, you're too much trouble. Oh, you're too much of a pain to like keep around or help. But they really haven't, and they've really stuck through me, and that's something I'm really grateful for. And I think that's why sacrifice speaks to me. Wow. Yeah. No, I, I like that, and I appreciate you opening us, uh, opening up to us a little bit about that. Um, and in that article, Faye, you do mention abuse in many forms. Um, so here's just a quick trigger warning for anybody who might be um, sensitive to. Uh, talking about abuse, you could probably skip ahead a couple minutes and be okay. Um, but you're wel- welcome to talk about this mm-hmm. as much or as little as you want. Um, but how do you think the abuse you experience frame your perspective on King of the Monsters? Well, I think it frames my point of view of King of the Monsters in an interesting way because I think just for some background, for a while before this, I was in a years-long relationship that came out with was an even longer friendship. That was honestly, even back when it was a friendship, pretty abusive. It was nothing physical, but there was like a lot of gaslighting and like mental and emotional abuse and neglect. Stuff that really, until you examine it from the outside and you don't really realize it all the time. Like what happened when we was after we broke up is when I looked back and I was like, wow, I didn't really notice it. And so I started piecing things, things together. And that stuff like not, not respecting my opinions or my boundaries, like telling me I didn't know anything to like feel differently about like just like silly stuff, but just like, that my opinions weren't, weren't right. 
it was even like once where the person compared themselves to a wife beater, which is, yeah, that was this thing. But like right before I saw the film, I was like, I was still talking to this person, which was honestly not the best decision. But I, I, I kind of had an issue sometimes with like letting go of it and realizing that I can't help this person because they had their own personal issues and I always felt bad about letting them go. But, but anyways, going back to this, I learned from a friend of mine that she was deliberately telling mutual friends of ours to not talk to me while also framing me as the one who messed up our, our relationship while also gaslighting me that our mutual friends didn't want to talk to me either. So I kind of entered the movie with a lot of that stress. And I think mm-hmm. it kind of helped me understand Maddie's dilemma, like the way that Emma manipulates Maddie in the movie by telling her, oh, this is the right thing. Oh, we're saving right. the planet, et cetera, et cetera. And like how like Mark doesn't really care about, about you as much, which is what the movie implies. And like... I think that relates to me because I was also told stuff like, like I like that I should not talk to certain people or that all my other friends besides besides her were yes men who just told me what I wanted to hear, and I think that's why I could relate to Mandy's struggle and why that connected to me. We've heard from another listener uh, in terms of <laughs> about Godzilla's revenge or all monsters attack, which I know people frequently see me talk about online, and it's usually tongue in cheek mm-hmm. just because I like to have fun with people. <laughs> But you know, they mentioned that their their favorite film that this was their favorite film because they used to watch it after being bullied at school, and it made them really feel a lot better about themselves after watching the film. What do you think your story and a story kind of like this one tells you about the approach, or I guess how we approach movie going? I guess just in general. Well, like well, like I've discussed with David from Kaiju apostle podcast a lot i think it says something about how we need to approach film discussion because i think too often we forget that there's people behind these avatars and these usernames who like the films often for really deep personal reasons it's that they're not always shallow and i'm not like i'm not saying criticism is bad it's a really important part of the fiction experience as well because you have to be able to criticize film and discuss where it fell and where it didn't but I think there's also a time and a place for it. And I think we also have to, have to realize sometimes the reason might be as simple as it cheered them up. Or it could be like, say, Godzilla 2014 for me, where generally there was times right before that movie came out where I was feeling suicidal. And that movie generally was like, okay, I want to live because I want to see this movie. Or like hmm. with like Man of Steel and Batman, Batman v Superman, I'm half Arab. So like those experiences of being ostracized and blamed for, for just for being who you are and who you're born as, which you couldn't choose. That's really um, uh, hit me and stuck with me. And like, of course, the main topic that we're talking about here, King of Monsters, like I talked about, that really helped me through a really difficult time in my life. Awesome. Well, I, I appreciate you sharing that with us again, Faye, because mm-hmm. uh, I know it can be difficult to talk about. But let's let's lighten up the mood here for a second. What do you think? Let's get into King of the Monsters mm-hmm. a little bit. What do you think is the most underrated aspect of King of the Monsters and why? I know this will probably get me some, what the hell are you saying? But honestly, <laughs> the character work. Like, I see people trust King of the Monsters characters as weak or one note. And I think that's giving the cast really not, not, not enough credit. Like, I was discussing with a friend of mine recently about how after GMK, the Godzilla movies stopped doing character arcs until the anime trilogy and King of the Monsters. And, like, well, Godzilla against Mechagodzilla and Godzilla 2014 had loose arcs. They weren't anything really large or at the forefront of the movie, in my opinion. But I feel mm-hmm. like for Kingdom Monsters, the characters are the main focus, focus and forefront of it. 
like Mark, Emma, and Maddie's journeys and development are really what the movie focuses on. And while I can kind of get people not liking it if you're not into the Spielbergian family aspect of it, I, I think you can't say that the movie doesn't try to really flush them out and really give them focus. Yeah. Yeah, though, I think that's a good point. Like uh, in our episode, I said, the, you know, these characters, I actually, I don't dislike them. Like it seems like many people do. They have real arcs from the beginning of the mm-hmm. movie to the end of the exactly. movie. While they might be one note at times, you can't say that they don't go on a journey and they don't develop <laughs> uh, at some level. You know? Yeah, at the very least, they're interesting. Yeah. Which, that for me... Sometimes that's all I need to go on a wild ride like this one. <laughs> Let's get into kind of more of an open discussion here, Alex. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you have a question for us that you wanted to ask? Yeah, so I have a few thoughts about this, actually. But I, I want to get everyone's takes, including my own, my favorite take. <laughs> uh, <laughs> why do you think King of the Monsters did so poorly at the box office? This is something I actually frequently or I did before coronavirus. I was starting to frequently talk about box office expectations. And Faye, I really want to know your opinion on why this mm-hmm. amazing movie probably didn't do so well. Well, in my personal opinion, I'd put the blame mostly on Ron Tomatoes. Like I was on boxofficeserie.com, which for people who don't know is a, is a, not a professional site, but it's almost like box office tracking for people who are just interested in box office. And oh, when we, and okay. when we were tracking how it was doing, it was originally at like at like sixty million, like this, like the like. And we saw the Thursday numbers were really good. The weekend numbers seemed alright, and there was a potential for a walk up, like that happened with Kongsville Island. But then yeah. the Ron Tomato scores hit, and I just think it crumbled. I think that's what happened. I think people saw the Ron Tomatoes score, I'm like, nope, I'm not giving this a shot. And I think that's because Godzilla 2014 turned off a lot of people. I love the movie personally, but like mm-hmm. it opened at 93 million and it only got to 200 million in total. That's really bad legs. It only made after its opening weekend like 107 million after that, which is not a lot for a movie at yeah, all. Yeah, a lot of people would argue Godzilla's got pretty nice legs. So. <laughs> <laughs> Not, not in terms of box office. <laughs> but I do think, though, on the other hand, we've seen, though, that Kingdom Monsters had a, had a really good multiplier. Like, it got an over two multiplier, which is good. And his Ron Tomatoes audience score is pretty good. It's at 80-something percent. Yeah, which is good. Yeah, I think it was like 84. Yeah, which is really when high. I checked it. And the other thing is, it's stuck on, on, the, on the Blu-ray charts for a long time. Like, I know mm-hmm. they, when they released Joker's sales figures, it was at, like, number two or number three still and, wow. that, and that came out in september so it's definitely had a lot of staying power in terms of blu-rays and probably digital sales as well so that might suggest that word of mouth is making people check it out after after it came out yeah i also think also they put it in a month that was way too packed like you had endgame detective pikachu john wick and then after you had men in black and like secret like a pets mm-hmm. too there was just too many movies for it to stand out, especially with a poor critical reception. And I think that's yeah. really what, the- yeah. I mean, if you were like, if you're like me, honestly, when this came out, I, I had no interest. Like <laughs> I, I said that in our review, it wasn't until I went on this journey that I actually gained interest in this movie. And I think you're right. Faye, the rotten tomatoes, definitely it contributes to box office 
no matter what at this point. People mm-hmm. check that score. Yeah. Um, but that makes me ask the question, why is the Rotten Tomatoes score so low? What are the critics not seeing that maybe some fans of the series are seeing? And I think it comes down to Michael Doherty's unhindered catering towards Godzilla fans, which I think is actually more than acceptable mm-hmm. for a Godzilla film. Um, now, I think it bordered on fan service, and so some fans kind of pushed against mm-hmm. that, but I don't think it crossed that line. Same. But when we get a film like this, and it really only appeals to this certain niche group of moviegoers, you're going to have people that really, really love the movie, but maybe not all critics agree that this is a great mm-hmm. movie, or maybe it's not going to reach out to a general movie-going audience like myself. Um as I said, there was nothing really in the trailer for me when I saw it. That I was like, I have mm-hmm. to go see that movie. Well, it, it, is it right if I make an interesting comparison just for like a from just like something I thought of while you're saying that? Yeah, go for, for it. Sure. I think it's kind of interesting how like Avengers Endgame, which got a really good critical reception. Meanwhile, that movie's, in my opinion, I'm just I know it's a hot take, a complete mess character wise. Ooh. Ooh. Hey, I want to edit Faye out of this podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just think that movie does no, it's okay. not, hey, we all got our does not flush out why Captain America is going back in time and saying, bye guys, I'm out of here. I'm going to go live, live with my wife who I, who I moved past like five movies ago. Oof. Oof, <laughs> or, or, or why Star Wars <laughs> back on Earth and has no comments whatsoever. He's just like, yeah, I'm back on Earth, so what? <laughs> All right. Um, Faye, it was nice having you. Uh, <laughs> what you need to know, what you need to know, Faye, is you're speaking with like ultra Marvel fanboy Alex. I am here, too. So. I love most of them, but just. Yeah, no, I, 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 I get that. it. I mean, I get it. I get it. I saw you like Batman vs. Superman online. I'm yeah. not judging you too hard. <laughs> oh, don't even I'm get me kidding. started on those. That could be its own <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Faye vs. Oh, the world. Man. I'm sorry, I interrupted your point. <laughs> no, it's fine. Oh, but I was just saying, like, if you think about that, think about how much fan service that movie has. Like, we travel back in time to Avengers, Sword of the Dark World. We even have references to, to the Asian Carter TV show because Jarvis from that shows up. And Captain America's mm-hmm. wielding, wielding Mjolnir. And, like, and like nobody talks about the fact that the character stuff gets put on hold a lot in that movie. But then for Kingdom Monsters, which, like, we've talked about, I feel that a lot of its characters, it got trashed for not giving them enough focus. Like Godzilla 2014, which I think we can agree at least didn't even do as much with it with its characters as much as I love that movie. Got a yeah. much better score. Nobody really mentioned that it doesn't really give any of its characters an arc per se. And I just think that's kind of an interesting. Yeah. And I have to wonder if it might be Western bias because like a lot of the reviews will say, "Oh, Godzilla was never good," and this proves that. And and it's like, oh my goodness. And like I don't mean to say, oh, critics are biased because I don't think they are. But I think you also can't also overlook the reputation the franchise has still had to shrug off and recover from just because people were biased against it because it's not American. Hmm. Yeah. Well, Alex, I promise I'll let you talk here in a second. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) But I do want to say, like, I think the Marvel comparison is interesting. Um, It's something I've thought about as well. At this point, here's the thing. Like, critics seem to be on board with what Marvel is doing. Mm -hmm. And so when you get critics that are evaluating these films, they've also evaluated all, how many Marvel films are there up until Endgame, Alex? I I don't enjoy 
uh, being disparaged like this, Eric. We'll <laughs> no, let no, you no. go on. It's, this is not a disparaging. <laughs> this is promise. I'm not. But the critics, <laughs> critics have have been watching now twenty Marvel films, and like that's a part of of watching th- those movies is is understanding what came before <laughs> it. Like right. you're not going to enjoy Endgame as much unless you understand what came before. I think there's an aspect to that with King of the Monsters. And that's what I'm saying. There's there's slightly there's a there's kind of a niche audience here and I I credit Dirty for just going for mm-hmm. it, you know, and like really trying to give something that that the fans would enjoy. And I think that's what Marvel does as well. The difference being critics have went on that journey with Marvel. Mm-hmm. They haven't been on that journey with Godzilla. Yeah. Hmm. I think that's a really interesting point of view and I do think that's kind of the part of it too. Like, there's so many little bits. Like, I remember when they said the GMK line, if the Stones could speak the stories they could tell. And, and when I saw it, because I got to see it early, too, I was freaking out that they referenced that because that's such an obscure little bit of, of line. And when Doherty confirmed that I was referencing GMK, I was like, wow. But, like, anyone who hasn't seen GMK, which is probably 90% of America, is like, mm-hmm. okay, what does this line even mean? What is it? Yeah, it's a, it's almost a little eye rolly a little mm-hmm. bit when it's delivered, unless you know the origins of it. Then you're kind of enjoying it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, I actually agree with you, Faye, about with some of the things you said before you really just started to cut deep at me, <laughs> and that was the. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, and that was the Rotten Tomato score. I think did have it has a tremendous impact on certain films. And it's just like you all said, it doesn't really, I think like a 50 wouldn't really affect something like a Marvel film because mm-hmm. audiences already know that they're going to go see it good or bad. They're probably going to go see it. Now it'll affect the legs of the movie probably, mm-hmm. but I don't really think it'll uh, affect that initial weekend. Now, I think audiences were really iffy after Godzilla 2014. Like you were kind of saying, like there was a reason, and I think it's a good reason for moviegoers to be skeptical. You know, they saw that trailer for the 2014 movie. That is just perfect. Like arguably, the, the trailer is actually better than the movie itself. <laughs> I think oh man, that's a that. hot take there. <laughs> right? I like them. <laughs> I like I like Godzilla 2014, but that Cranston trailer. It is amazing. The narration. It, has, it gives you so many emotions, probably more, maybe even mm-hmm. more than the actual movie. But <laughs> the lack of Godzilla for general audiences is going to leave a bit of a sour taste on a lot of people's mouth. They're expecting mm-hmm. to see a monster, and when they don't see it, they're going to be disappointed. Yeah. Now, I think for movies like this that have maybe audiences with a little bit of a sour taste in their mouth, Rotten Tomatoes can be a determining factor, whether to give a franchise a second chance. And I think that it the, the Rotten Tomatoes was like, eh, yeah, nah, pass. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what happened too, like I said. And, yeah, and however, uh, the reason I would push back on uh, your comments a little bit, Eric, is that of the few people that I used to work with, uh, and this maybe uh, supports your arguments, Faye, is that I, I went and saw the Thursday showing. On Friday, I went in, and I talked to two of my coworkers, and I told them how great king of the monsters was and how much fun it was and they were both like uh yeah i'll go check it out and then on monday they talked about how awesome it was and how much like it was one of their favorite movies that they had seen that year so far so i think if people give it a chance they actually really enjoy it even if they don't get all the fan service the elements of it yeah i don't think i don't i think you can have a great time with the film without 
knowing all those things. I just think a critic, yeah, even even though a critic tries to be unbiased, yes, I think we're all biased in some sense. Oh yeah, right. Uh, and so if you're just like going into this movie and you're trying to find something uh, substantial and you don't have that background, I think that has a chance to significantly lower mm-hmm. your opinion uh, of the film. For sure. But mm-hmm. I think that leads us pretty well into our next question. Um, and I think your story, Faye, highlighted this for us. But you said that fiction helped you get through some extremely tough moments in your life. And as an English teacher, I'm always drawn to a good story. So why do you think it is that we gravitate towards fiction in times of crisis? And what is it about Godzilla specifically that is so comforting for many? I think with fiction, we tend to gravitate towards, for lack of a better word, safe places when we're in crisis or going through a difficult time. Like, I know that's what I did. Like, I think some people go for escapist fiction to forget. But for me personally, and a few other people, like some of my friends and my boyfriend, Dark fiction helps us cope with things and heal. Like, I know it has for me in works like Fate Zero or Heaven's Feel or, or the DC movies, or like we're talking about here, the MonsterVerse Godzillas. Hmm. And I think by doing that, we can grow and heal and move on from our pain to a degree while we also don't feel so alone because, like, we can see the creator's pain and what they've been dealing with as well in, the mo- in, in either movies or TV shows or books or video games, like with Hideaki Anno with Evangelion. That's about his his depression, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's why a lot of depressed people can relate to it. Or what Fade Zero, Urobuchi was going through a really deep depression when he wrote that. And I think with Godzilla, I, I think a lot of things. Like I know a lot of Godzilla fans, like myself, have very deep personal childhood connections to it. And I think when you revisit those movies, you can also see greater themes in them. An allegory that as a, that as a kid you didn't really pick up because you were so focused on oh wow big dinosaur fights big dragon. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the mix of both those things that can make them comforting, but also rewarding to watch and analyze. And I think that's why. Nice. Well, hmm. I, I like how you specifically talk about dark fiction there. And, you know, I know your uh, profile picture on Twitter for a while was one of the vampire sisters in the Castlevania anime, which yes. I love. <laughs> it was a great example of dark fiction there. Um, But I think sometimes there's this notion among some viewers along the lines of, you know, life is hard enough as it is. Why would you want to watch something so depressing? But for me, I I think we find solidarity in those types of fictions, um, those types of fiction, and we place them along the more, you know, it's, it's okay to place them alongside the more get me out of here type of fiction. Um, Mm -hmm. There there has to be a balance. You know, sometimes we want that uh, comedy, but sometimes we also just want to relate and see an artist express themselves. As you were saying, Faye, what do you Mm -hmm. think Alex? Yeah. I mean, I I think fiction has to strike the sweet spot for a lot of people where, whether it's realistic or a or a hard sci-fi where it removes you from your reality, just enough to take you on a ride. Now, the key to it being successful, of course, and comforting you, it has to have two things, probably, in my opinion. It has to have relatable characters, much like kind of like what you mentioned the King of the Monsters had for you, Faye. And mm-hmm. it has to have just a general story that you can take something a little extra from. Those two elements might seem obvious to some, but I think that they have to be present for if something is going to be comforting. Now, that is why Godzilla is so comforting to many. 
Uh, it's got this giant lizard, yeah, that draws people in initially to its fiction, but then usually it has a sense of fun and wonder that is displayed in a variety of ways. There is like there's probably literally a Godzilla movie out there for everyone, even if it's just one of them. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I agree. Absolutely, absolutely. Faye, was there anything else that you wanted to touch on before we move into our awards? Oh, well, there was one which I did want, want to discuss, and that was why do you guys think King Ghidorah became so, became so enduring and essential to the franchise as a whole? And do you think that the role fits him, or should there be somebody better? Uh, well, <laughs> so I, here's what I would say. And so I... I like King of the Monsters. I don't think I, I like it as much as you two do, um, which is fine. But for me, King Ghidorah in this film never felt quite as threatening Ooh. as I think he could. No, that's um, but I definitely think, like, if we talk about the anime trilogy for a second, <laughs> the King Ghidorah in the anime trilogy is one of the high points. He's that climax of the series and the biggest existential threat. Like there's that there's a contrast inherent with King Ghidorah between Godzilla, who's this earthly behemoth, and Ghidorah, who is this otherworldly entity, but who has a bit more finesse, right? He's the opposite of Godzilla in that way. So maybe we've clung on to that as this is what Godzilla's main antagonist looks like. I don't think there's a better monster for this role than a three-headed dragon. So <laughs> I, I, I like I like what this, the franchise has done with King Ghidorah. And just another great example of, of how King Ghidorah can also be used is GMK. Um, that was a completely new and interesting take on the character, but I really enjoyed that take as well. Hmm. Yeah. I, um, I think he's, I think the reason he's really stuck around is that he's kind of the first actual bad guy monster. And not that he was like, He's kind of unlike anything we've really ever seen on film. Like, yeah, we've seen three-headed monsters and all that stuff, but that golden body, no arms, those giant wings, and the three erratic heads, especially in the Showa era films, it just sets it apart from everything else in the pantheon of G films, just Mm -hmm. in general. And I think Adora is actually pretty great in this film. Like, in Three-Headed Monster, he's just this complete form of chaos those those heads are throwing everywhere shooting lightning everywhere there's almost no control to it it's it's awesome in this there's more control to the body but his new climate changing powers and chaos that he just brings is really cool and i like that they actually gave the monster personality which is something i didn't really realize was missing from the monster Not that Ghidorah really needed it. I mean, that gold is probably enough. Mm-hmm. But I really like what they did with the monster. He feels properly fearsome. And the regenerating ability on that third head, when we realize that he's not going to be that easy to take down, pretty cool. I think it's pretty perfect for the movie. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, I think that the reason why Kingdor has been so enduring is how much he contrasts, yet is also similar to, to Godzilla in many ways. One of which is like, there, there's like, they're, designs of them themselves godzilla the dinosaur king king was a dragon which are two very similar things like dragons <laughs> might have even came from dinosaur fossils according to anthropologists so i think there's a contrast here between the new and the possible and the old and the fantastical mm-hmm. that makes them interesting um, in terms of just their very designs contrasting to each other while also being similar but i also think it's also in the personality like king is very similar with how godzilla used to be where he where he's a destroyer he's a bringer of chaos and it's even interesting mm-hmm. almost how Shin Godzilla 
and Kingdom and Kingdom Monsters have almost similar powers with how they can regenerate in in the way that they yeah. do, and how they and how they're basically world enders. And I think when Godzilla went from that destroyer to a hero, King Ghidorah was able to still embody what Godzilla used to be, making him a very fitting, almost Joker-like opponent for Godzilla and how much they can trash yet have similarities. Yeah, that's a really good point. I like huh. that. Yeah. All right. Well, now we've come to the point in our show where we get into our awards. But Alex, we've already got our awards. We already gave our awards in our King of the Monsters episode. Yeah. So I wanted to hear uh, a couple of awards from Faye. So let's get started with the coolest character award. Who did you have for the coolest character award for King of the Monsters, Faye? Well, for monsters, it's a tough pick between Godzilla because I just think he's so awesome in this movie. Like the T-Rex, like the T-Rex mm-hmm. run he does, or King Ghidorah. Well, if we're talking just humans, I feel like it has to be Sarazawa because he truly represents the best of us in this movie, and I think that's that's the symbol that he is. He's meant to be what we what we all could be. And I think that's why he's the coolest character in this movie. Yeah, I agree. I think that was actually the one I picked. <laughs> and I might have picked Godzilla. I don't know. <laughs> I think you actually may have. Uh, uh, what about your most memorable line award? For me, conti- continuing the Sarazawa love, it has to be goodbye, old friend. Like, that line still hits me so hard. And, like, there's a lot of fun or cool quotes in this movie. Like, I even talked about the GMK one. But I think, like yes. I said, that one still really hits me. Like it's not just a, it's not just a goodbye to Sarazawa and Ken Watanabe for this franchise, and I think he's brought a lot to it. But I think you, mm-hmm. I think when you hear like what it's meant to me in terms of like Ishiro Honda and Toho, and like when you view it as a way of them saying goodbye to the past in a way, it has a lot a lot of meaning to that as well. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah, that that's not what I thought of when we were doing our episode but now that you mention it i should have thought of that that's good (laughs) um what about your oh that's a good shot award oh i have two and i'll start with with the one i say is my main one and that's godzilla and king Ghidorah squaring off in the snow when it pulls back and you just see their silhouettes i've had that as a background on my laptop for ages and it's still my twitter banner it's just captivating and awe-inspiring and it also shows how far the franchise came and my other one would be Godzilla and King Ghidorah running towards each other because I'm a dinosaur nerd and I love Godzilla doing the T-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> He's going old Jurassic Park on King Ghidorah and I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> oh. All right, so I guess that'll bring us to our rating and ranking. Uh, what would you give this movie out of five stars and where does it rank among your Godzilla movies in general? Oh, I can't wait to see people get mad at me for this, but... Four and a half stars out of five. There's some issues here hey, that hold it back from a good. perfect five. As for where it ranks, here it comes where people really get mad at me. I put it at number three. <laughs> I only like like Gojira and GMK more than it. Wow. It, it, you know what, Faye? You and me, mm-hmm. two peas in a pod. Where <laughs> we've got our we've got a Godzilla really high. Yeah. I put I think I gave mine a four out of five and. Honestly, I'm second guessing on whether I should have gone a little bit higher or not. I think uh, you went four point five out of five. Did uh, I? If I yeah, did, you, that's you amazing. Because then did. I might need to make it a five out of five. <laughs> <laughs> There's some things here that make, it doesn't make me give it a five. Like I wish they did. I know. Like I wish they did the auction destroyer a bit better. It's a little bit like, right. Like here it is. It's a big bomb, and like no, it means more than that. 
but that's yeah. My only and there's a few thing. lines of dialogue that are a little cringy, yeah. and some other problems. But uh, man, I really enjoy this movie. <laughs> I love it so much. All right, uh, where can people find you on le- online, Faye? And are you working on any other creative projects right now? Well, people can find me at Fairyzilla on Twitter, and that's F A E R I E Zilla. And I'm also on somethinggoolish.com, as you all know, in the works coming soon. I do have a YouTube channel coming up, which me and my YouTube, which me and my, not my YouTube friends, me and my friends are working on, called Fears, Futures, and Fossils. And one series we'll be doing is a kaiju roundtable of sorts, which will be me as experienced friend, my boyfriend, who's not as much into it, but he's still very much a big fan. And my another friend of mine who's just starting out, he's only ever seen Godzilla 98, 2014, and Kingdom Monsters. So that'll be really wow. fun. And it was inspired by you guys and Kaiju Apostle Podcast, actually. Oh, that's awesome. And beyond that, <laughs> I'll be having articles on something ghoulish and our culture in, in the near future. And hopefully that book I've been working on for almost a year now will come out soon. But crossing fingers on that. <laughs> that's awesome. That's well, you, you made me blush there, Faye, when you gave us some props. I brushed my hair back. And... <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks again. Yeah, Faye, we appreciate you being on. Uh, yeah. Thanks again. And thanks for uh, sharing the Godzilla love with us today and really for opening up about some serious topics. We appreciate your time. For real. Thank you. I, lo- I, lo- I love being here. As always, you can find us on Twitter at MVM underscore pod. We're on Letterboxd, Eric Neely and Alex Cornett. You can email us, MVMPod at gmail.com. Until next week, though. Try. Try. <laughs> Stay. Oh my God. Alive. Alive. <laughs> See you, everyone. Alex? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we should do that. All right. One more sync clap and then I'll transition Mm -hmm. us in. Okay. One, two, three. There's just a menagerie of claps. (laughs) (laughs) Do do we need to do it again? No, we're good. Okay. We're good. Okay. All right. (laughs) Are you going to go? So, yeah, I am. I was trying. I was trying my best, Alex, to think about where we were, where where that conversation transition. I, I got. It. I got it. I'm just gonna get get into. Yeah. It. I think we can do it. Mm-hmm. It's coming back to me. It's coming just, back. Just to say me. something okay. like that. That brings me to my I, next I got, question. I got okay. I got you. I got you. Got you. <laughs> now I was saying. Sorry, sorry. I was saying. Um, <laughs> shut up, Alex. Hang on, man. Uh, I'm so sorry, Eric. It's just too funny. I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>